Nice buns, soft, fluffy, and ultra low net carbs. Discover Hero Bread, the delicious ultra low net carb bread with incredible taste and texture. Hero Bread has zero grams of sugar and is under 100 calories per serving. Plus, high in fiber with 5 to 10 grams of protein per serving. Order from Hero.co now and get 10% off your first purchase with promo code AH10. That's 10% off with code AH10. H-E-R-O dot C-O. Hi, I'm Danny Elfman. This is Shirley Manson. This is Debbie Harry. This is Chris Steyer Blondie. This is Roland Ozebal from Tears for Fears. This is Billy Idol. This is Alex Ebert, a.k.a. Edward Sharp, giving the story behind the song. Hi, this is Peter Chotty, host of the story behind the song. Each month I speak to some of music's biggest artists to get the inside stories behind their most lasting and iconic songs. Join me for new episodes on the third Monday of every month on the story behind the song from the Consequence Podcast Network, available wherever you get your podcasts. Though ska originated in Jamaica in the late 50s, it was two-tone ska that lit the fuse all over the world. Bands in many countries heard what these two-tone ska bands were doing and wanted to bring the music to their country. This is true in the U.S., and it's true all over South America. Today we discuss the very first Venezuelan ska band, Desorden Publico, who started in the mid-80s in Caracas and remained Venezuela's biggest ska band. Lead singer Horacio Blanco walks us through the band's incredible story, and we discuss how Venezuela's political climate impacted each stage of the group's career, including this present moment. I'm really excited for everybody to hear this conversation. I didn't know really know anything about Disorder in Publico before this. The whole story, I think, is captivating. Yeah, definitely. I love that, um, you know, I think we've talked about before how Ska's big in Mexico and Latin America, but that's kind of a general statement. If like you zoom into each of these individual countries... They have their own story. And for Disorder Publico, it's a story of Venezuela and how that band came to be and, and their relationship to that country and the history of the country is super interesting. Also, shout out to Mari from Los Aquipados for uh, sitting in on the conversation and helping us with a few bits of translation. Yeah. Overall, I mean, Horacio's uh, English is really good. Yeah, it wasn't very much translation needed, but it was great that she was there. And uh, now she's uh, she's the official In Defense of Ska uh, Spanish to English translator. <laughs> <laughs> Hope you're up for it, Mari. Before we begin the conversation, I just want to uh, introduce Mari Wendler, who's she's here in the interview with us. Uh, if we need a uh, translator at any point, Mari is uh, plays in the band. Los Ocupados in uh, Olympia, Washington. Do you want to say hi, Mari? Hi. I'm very happy to be here. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Thank you. So, Horacio, um, Desorden Publico, your band, uh, begins in Venezuela in 1985. Tell me a little bit about how you discovered ska music. Sure. Well, uh, in the early 80s, I was um, a boy, a teenager, and one of my friends, he said, you have to come to my house. I, I received a cassette 
with a new music I, I can't understand and you will love it. <laughs> so I, I went to, to, to his place and he had this um, first specials album um, recorded in a cassette. But uh, the recording was awful. It was terrible. The sound was like uh, re-recorded many times. So uh, there was this big noise with the music, like shh. Um, but w when I listened to, to that music, when I listened to uh, a message to you, Rudy, I, I, I couldn't believe my ears. I, I said, wow, wh what's this? What kind of music is this? I, 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 I can feel uh, the, the power of, of, I don't know, of punk music. Listen to other songs of that album. Um, but there is also kind of a Caribbean thing happening. What's that? And my friend said, this is called ska. <laughs> I said, I, I, I need more of this. Yeah. I need to find more of this. So we, we started to, to search for this recordings. It was not easy. No, the, there were no um, Spotify in those years. There, it was hard to find, to find music. And living in, in Venezuela, it was harder uh, because that music was not popular at all. So we had to ask friends that had the chance to travel somewhere to Europe or to the US. And then we had the chance to get that album in our hands. So that was the second uh, shock. First, it was the music, then the image, the, the graphics, the, uh, the, photo, the photos of, of those guys it was so, so appealing, so attractive to us as, as teenagers. That, that was like, like a model to, to follow. What was beautiful was like, like the best I, I, I never saw in my life. So we wanted to be uh, Venezuelan root boys. Uh, and, and we wanted to be uh, like the specials. I was 14 years old. So uh, um, I, I grabbed um, an old suit of my, of my, of my dad and, and we started to, to dress like, like root boys, like, like the specials. And we were listening to that and we were the, like the first uh, root boys in, in, in this country. And of course, after that, we were started to, to search for more and we discovered the two-tone and we discovered other bands. You, you, can, you can name them, uh, the Selector, Madness, Bad Manners, uh, was like the, the, the best. Ska was just the best. And we had the idea to promote ska between our friends. So we created something that we called in those days a mini teka. What is a mini teka? It's, it, it was kind of a sound system that we, we could uh, travel with, like, you know, speakers and kind of a, 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 a power amplifier for uh, the records we were playing. And this 
mobile discotheque, we use this for promoting, as I said before, promoting ska and also some punk music, the music we loved. So ska started to be a very small but passionate movement in Caracas, my, my hometown. Uh, this this uh, mini teca, this mobile discotheque, uh, were hired for playing music in the underground scene where other bands, punk bands, were playing. So we were the DJs and other guys were the, the musicians. And when we were, you know, like playing albums from other bands and we were also watching the, the bands playing their stuff, their original songs, we say, hey, it could be fun to create a band and play this music that nobody is playing here. And the bass player, well, he, he was not any, any bass player before, but he said, a friend of mine said, okay, I want to be the bass player, so I will buy an electric bass. And I said, okay, I want to be the guitar. And some other friends say, I want to be the drummer. That, that, that was the, the very beginning of my band. So we, we, we bought this secondhand, terrible, cheap instruments. And we say, okay, so if we, have, we have the instruments, let's play. We, we were to a, to a garage and we, um, uh, we played the, the first two or three, four songs, all of them original songs. And we created the first uh, ska band in our country. So that was 1985, some 37 years ago. Tell me a little bit about the, um, your, your band is called Disorden Publico. Can you say what that means and the story behind that band name? Well, um, we were uh, into this alternative um, musical, cultural, or counter-cultural movement. And there were many punk influences in our uh, attitudes, in our uh, political positions in front of the world and the country we were living in. So there were these um, police... Um, trucks, these uh, police stations that were called Orden Publico. That translates like public order. And there were very uh, repressive police uh, institutions, very, very repressive. So the, the bass player of my band, he has always been a punk. He said, Okay, let's be the opposite of, of those uh, motherfuckers. Yeah. <laughs> let, let, let's, let's be the Público, which translates disorder or public disorder. So that, that is the, the, the reason we, we, we choose that, that, that name. And well, ever since we have been called like, like that, that that's, that's our historical name. 
And it's it's funny because we have played in by the years, we have played so many different um, uh, things. And we have played, I don't know, maybe with a, a symphonic orchestra. And it, it's funny to, to listen to, okay, now the symphonic orchestra plays <laughs> music from public disorder. What, what, what the hell? <laughs> but but it, 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 that has been uh, our, our story. And well, that, that's where the name comes from. In the early days, did you guys have run-ins with the police? Yeah, of course. We, we were teenagers drinking beers. Uh, having fun, uh, we're, um, walking in the streets by by late nights, dressed like, you know, for for the police uh, eyes, we were like, we were like clowns, uh, dressed like like uh, old men's being being teenagers, dressed like like our uh, grandparents, and <laughs> with poor pike hats and, and all that stuff, and always the police were what the hell what, what's this watching on us so they they always were okay stop there are you taking drugs uh show us your your ids and it, it, as i said before they were very repressive so more than once we spent a night into jail just because we were like us with no other reason so of course there, there were uh, enough um, uh, justificaciones, Marisabel? Justification. Justification, yeah, like uh, excuses. Okay, enough excuses for us to sing uh, against against this uh, uh, police state, may I say? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, police state. When you start the band and, and you um, are promoting ska music in Caracas, is um, does it become popular? quickly or does it take a while to become popular in caracas okay i i, I will tell you the the truth the the songs were uh were popular for for our uh good luck <laughs> they uh, the the audiences started to enjoy the, the the themes we were singing about and this uh funny music sky is always for dance so people were having fun but it was hard for us to let the crowds understand we were playing ska music. For many people, that was like the Sordens music, the music for this band. And we said, no, <laughs> we're playing a, a genre, a, a genre, and it's called ska music. Believe it or not, we, we were interviewed, interviewed m- many times. And um, I, I cannot forget. Once um, a journalist say, "Okay, so what, what's this music you guys are playing?" and we said, "With with uh, with proud, we're playing ska music." And then the next day, we saw the the the, the press note, and the, the guys misspelled the the word, and he said, "Okay, we have a new band playing cas music, <laughs> like A A S, right?" And we, we said, what, what the hell? What's this? And, and we were like uh, 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 evangelizers, may I say? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, evangelizers of, of this genre. So we, we could not uh, uh, let this pass. So we wrote a song for our first album. I'm talking about 
the late 80s. It was 1988. Yeah, 1988. And we... Okay, we recorded the first album in that year, and we we created a, a song called "Esto es ska." This is ska. So, in in and that was a uh, kind of a desperate solution <laughs> uh, for this confusion, all over. So we said uh, the the lyrics of, of that song says uh, "Esto es ska." Esto es ska. Si no te gusta, te vas. <laughs> Yeah, if you don't like it, get out. Yeah. If you don't like this, get the hell out of here. <laughs> so that 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 was the, the true story, my friends. Mari told me that um, uh, you guys would play in um, Caricuaco. It's like the area in Car Caracas you play. Caricual. Caricual. Yeah. And that um, it you it was known as Scaricual. Yeah. Well, uh, by the um, late 80s and the very beginning of the 90s, uh, ska started to become popular. Not, not just the, the, the music, but also the aesthetics, the, the way that the, the guys and the girls dressed. Uh, for my eyes, it was beautiful because I, I love this, this two-tone uh, way of, uh, of living, dressing, talking, dancing. So uh, when I started to, to, the first time I saw a root boy that I didn't know, I said, we're doing the things okay. <laughs> because it was like, okay, it's becoming, uh, it's not, not just the friends, it's becoming something bigger. And the, the movement started to become big in the west side of Caracas, the, the capital city of my country. And especially in a in a ghetto in a neighborhood called Caricuao, Caricuao, Caricuao. Okay. and of course, of course, those the the, the root boys from Caricuao said we live in Caricuao, <laughs> and well, of course that was very fun. The that um, that uh, neighborhood, which which is popular, is like um, working class uh, area of the of the city. Um, has always been a very musical uh, sector of, of my city. Um, in the 70s, it was, a, it was um, very into salsa music, then uh, began with, with a reggae, the, the first reggae bands from Caracas. They, they uh, were created in, in, in Caricuao. And then, of course, it was time for a ska. And yeah, a lot of bands, a lot of fans, festivals, um, uh, ska scenes, uh, as, you, as you know them. There are magazines um, made for ska with low budget. And um, then even uh, radio shows, like, like pilot radio shows, was fun there but back in the 90s in Caricua it was great so that that was called the root zone of of Venezuela even from Venezuela not just from Caracas was there other Venezuelan ska bands that were forming yeah absolutely yeah what, what are some of those bands okay um in the late 80s there appeared uh, this band 
they were called etc etc mm-hmm. and they, they were playing ska and, and their 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 only album i think it was released in 1989 it was um uh independent release the, it has also the the black and white aesthetics in, in the cover uh-huh. yeah so so we, we were like like not not only the first band but the lucky band that had the chance to to have a, a contract and then other bands they, they were that 100 independent but even though we we knew we were in the same uh ska movement we were all the same and so uh, i can't remember etc i can't remember uh palmeras caníbales how would you translate that marisol the uh cannibal palm trees that <laughs> <laughs> yeah that so palmeras caníbales sin sospechas and in in some point i think in the second half of the 90s we had a i don't know maybe 25 30 35 bands in, in all the country so we we were one of the most ska countries in latin america of course we were um we decided to um uh to call the bands for uh listen songs for uh, compilations so we have venezuelan ska volume one volume two volume three and we have also almost ready a volume four but then uh pandemics came and you know plans were like distorted but we we have the chance to have a lot of music a lot of ska music in this country in all the areas in north south east west everywhere i was looking at the um volume one of venezuela ska and it um says it was released on pepe lobo records yeah he's uh so he is um he's from mexico city He released all the early um, Mexico City bands. Yes. How, tell me about how you connected to, to Pepe Lobo. Sure. It was 1993, and we we went for the first time to Mexico City, and we could not believe what we saw. What a city! What a what a culture! Wow, that 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 city is overwhelming. So we went to a countercultural uh, street market that takes place every Saturday. It, it's called uh, El Tianguis de El Chopo. Tianguis de El Chopo. So we went there because all, all, all the friends say, hey, you have to go there. You, you will find a lot of music. You will meet uh, people in the, uh, in the underground uh, media, whatever. So we went there. And believe it or not, um, there was a, a, a small store, a street store, and there they were uh, selling cassettes. And we were, you know, let's see what, what they have. And they had rehearsals from the Sorden in the, <laughs> in the 80s. Rehearsals before we even recorded any, anything. And, and we said, how the hell get this? And they, they were like uh, the real 
cultural uh, promoters. You know, they were uh, seeking for information and they wanted to uh, uh, distribute that, that information to, to everyone in Mexico City. So in, in those days, in, in the 1993 and then in 1994, we met many people and we also met Pepe Lobo. He was one of those early um, underground music promoters. He was especially in love with ska music. So we, we, we made a, a very close connection with him. And nowadays, I can say Pepe Lobo is my friend. And um, some years later, we, we started to send him um, Venezuelan ska productions for, for him to re-release them in, in Mexico. And we, we gave him uh, Venezuela ska volume one, and I think volume two, too. Yeah, so, so Pepe Lobo, um, for people listening, the bands in Mexico that are very big, like Panzeon Rococo and uh, Inspector, uh, Sectacor, he released all of their tapes before anybody else did. And before you could find these albums in stores, you could only go to um, the market that you were talking about and get those tapes. So he was, he was a, he distributed and promoted ska in Mexico city before anyone else. He's a very, very important figure in the development of ska in Mexico. Yes. Yes. So very, it's interesting that you connected to him. Yeah. And, and he is, um, 25 years later or so, he is still uh, working on that. He's the, like, like the same guy we met back in the 90s. He's that, that guy, very, very honest. So um, just to go back a little bit, your first record comes out in 1988 on uh, CBS. Yes. So you, you must have been popular if CBS wanted to sign you. All right. Uh, let me explain you why we had this this um, record contract. Um, my country. Let, let's say this: Venezuela is a uh, 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 a country that produces oil. Okay, mm-hmm. so there is money, and that's why we have so uh, so many corrupt politicians and whatever. But there is money, and when there is money, you can find investments in many things, even in culture, even in music. So there were this um, alternative band back in the in the second half of the eighties. Their name was uh, Sentimiento Muerto, very important band in those days. Dead feeling in English. Mm-hmm. There, they were more like a post-punk band. And they were they were so so popular that the the other record companies wanted to to sign um, a competition for them. So yeah. so they say, okay, what other bands are are making good noise in the underground? And in the CBS, they had a, a scout. He was not Venezuelan. He was Brazil, from Brazil. And he was very into alternative sounds. 
he went to a show of us. He saw the reaction of the of the of the, the crowd dancing and singing, and he he liked what he what he saw. And he came into the um, dressing room after the show, and he said, "All right, guys, I I liked what I have just seen. I want to sign you." And I went, wow. what? And, uh, <laughs> and who are you? And, and he said, well, I represent the CBS. And I want to see you guys Monday morning in my office. <laughs> we there. And he offered a very uh, flexible contract. Uh, and actually, he was respecting the music, the lyrics, the, um, like the two, kind of two-tone aesthetics that we that we loved and he said I, I i want that all like this i don't want to change anything and we, we said well that's perfect like like a dream uh, for us so we we signed with with a cvs just for just for one album um and good news were that we we had very good sellings very good sellings uh, uh, kind of a 50,000 official uh, albums mm. sold. That, that was a, a kind of, I think, gold or something like that. And, and the, the CBS were very happy with us. We were not maybe so happy, but it was okay to have something paying for, for the recordings. So we, we, we produced a second album. It was 1990. And we became more exper experimental. It was not that straight uh, ska, like the first album. It was more like uh, jazz, jazz influences, like jazz harmonies and more complex uh, arrangements. And we introduced uh, like uh, Af African Venezuelan percussion and the producer the, the musical producer was uh, uh, a jazz musician, um, which, which is very, very, you know, that's still like, like a genius, but absolutely out of this world, a crazy man. And he produced the album and he, we were all crazy into the studio. And uh, <laughs> the, the, the followers of that very, um, uh, straight sound of the first album, maybe some of them were disappointed with, with this second, second production. And also the, the, the sales were not as good as the first album, maybe because what, what I'm explaining. So we went from uh, 50,000 albums sold in the first album to maybe 15,000, which is, was not a, a bad number, but um, they were expecting more. So after that second album, we, we broke relations with the CBS. But uh, in 1980, uh, sorry, 1993, we had a brand new uh, repertoire, brand new songs, all fresh, all uh, danceable songs, sing singable songs. And we had a, a new meeting with, with a new executive from CBS. Now, in those days, it was not more CBS, it was Sony Music. And he listened to some of those new songs and he said, okay, 
let's get married again. Let's do it again. <laughs> so we, we, we recorded in 1994, uh, Canto Popular de la Vida y Muerte. Marisabel, please help me. It's like the popular song of life and death. Okay. Uh -huh. Popular song of life and death. So that was very popular. That, we, that, that was our like real two gold selling album. And oh, I, I, I still have one of those uh, gold things in one of my walls in my apartment. I, I, I see that and I, you know, it was a very good time for, for, for the band. And after that, we started to play not just in the, the main cities of my country. We started to play in medium-sized cities, small towns, even villages. We, we had the chance to travel um, to Mexico, Colombia, first uh, shows in the U.S. In, in 1996, we crossed the Atlantic to play Europe for the first time. It was like, like wow, a great time for, for the band. And we were playing ska music. I have to say that. Um, in those days, um, there was a huge uh, movement in Latin America. It was called uh, Rock Latino. I think you understand what I said. Right? So uh, uh, Rock Latino was a, a very, um, uh, how, how do I say, variopinto, Marisabel. Variopinto. ¿Qué te refieres con variopinto? Variopinto. Como... Variado. Oh, a very varied, very diverse. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so it encompassed a lot of different styles. Yeah, a lot of different styles. In Rock Latino, you, you could listen to uh, rap music, ska music, punk, pop, whatever. It, it just was, it, uh, the language was Spanish. That, that was just the only reason it was like all into a, the same package. But um, ska got big in Latin America in those days. Mm -hmm. And it was, I, I think there was, kind of something in, in parallel with, with what, was, what was happening with the sky in the U.S. In those, in those years, which was getting bigger, too, with more pop ska bands, maybe. And, well, the same happened in Latin America. Yeah, if you, if you check those, those years, bands like uh, Fabulosos Cadillacs from Argentina or... Um, Paralamas do Suceso from Brazil, or even Maldita Vecindad from Mexico, or The Sorting from Venezuela. We were good selling bands in, in terms of, of amounts of, of records in, in the market. And we were playing the, the region from north to south. That was a very good time, very good time. And uh, um, then came the, the, the new century. And things change a little bit. So before the new century, though, on your fourth record, Plomo Revienta? Yeah, Revienta, claro. That's a 1997. That's a Colombia record. Yeah, that's it, yeah. Um, these are, there's several of your of pretty big pretty big hits on that record, right? Absolutely, yeah. Ayacayo? Yeah, of course. Uh, 
by the balos? Balas, yes. Balas, yes. Latex? Uh-huh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I want to ask about Ayekayo. Can you talk a little bit about um, what this song's about? Yeah, of course I can. Um, well, um, how do I begin with this? Um, I will start with the, with the lyrics. Uh, this song, I will tell you the truth, my friends. I never believed that song could be a hit. And it's because of the lyrics. They are very <laughs> straight lyrics that they, they talk about the violence in the streets of Latin America. And it's like, like three uh, short chronicles uh, for three crimes. The first of those is a crime when uh, somebody is killed in the streets because uh, a thief and a murderer uh, wants to take his shoes off. So he kills the guy and he takes his shoes and maybe you, 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 you could say, what, what are you talking about? But those things happened in Latin America in those years because of the contradictions, the poverty, and whatever. The second chronicles in, in that song is about two, two gangs fighting for, a, um, for some street where they wanted to sell cocaine. So the, the bands were like, this street belongs to me. No, it belongs to me. So they started to, uh, to kill each other with guns. And the third, <laughs> it's very cruel. And the third uh, Chronicles, it's about, um, how, how can I say Bala Perdida Marisol? Lost bullet. Yeah, lost bullet, like a stray bullet. Oh, yeah. Stray bullet, yeah. So there, there's this crazy nonsense bullet that hits uh, a kid, a 13-year-old, and she died. And those things happen in, in the big cities of Latin America. This stupid violence, well, violence is like in, in every stupid mind in the world. Not, it's not just an exclusive phenomenon from Latin America. But uh, this stupidity was the, the main reason why this song. And Ayakayo means um, there he felt. That's where he felt. Ayakayo. So that, that's, there is the place. That's the place where that guy of that, or that girl was, was killed. I, mm. Am I explaining myself? Yes. Oh, okay. So uh, because of those lyrics... As I said before, I never believed that could be a hit. But the, um, the music, in the other hand, was very, wasn't and is very, very, very fun. It's like dancing music. It has this uh, infectious rhythm that makes people dance. And it has this um, melodies with a, with a brass section that is very catchy. And somehow the song began, began to became very popular. But when I say very popular, I mean it. It was like in the uh, top 10 uh, of the radio. Uh, how, how do you guys say this in English? Like the top 
Like, top 10 songs in the country. Yeah, top. Yeah. Yeah, in some point, and everybody knew the fucking song, and everybody was <laughs> like, like dancing. Ayakayo, ayakayo. I, for me, it was it was um, uh, a very big surprise. I was not expected that, expecting that because of the lyrics. So, in Venezuela, is it was it unusual for a um, a song on the radio to comment on violence and and um, social issues yeah it's not common at all you, you you can listen to that but it will never reach the, the top 10 in the radio rankings never so it, it happened with that song and then uh happened what happens with popular songs other band like cover bands play the, the the song and the djs and the radio and the parties played the the, the song and it became like maybe the most important song in, in our history. Bailes del Bales. Um, sorry if I'm not pronouncing that correctly. That song also is about um, commenting on the violence and stuff. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, the the concept of that album, Plomo Revienta, from 1997. The the main concept is. Uh, uh, um, the arts saying stop violence. The music mm -hmm. saying we had enough. Let's stop the, the the stupidity. Let's stop the guns. We had enough. Um, and that's why you can listen in that album to songs like Ayacayo and Valle de Vales that uh, translates um, Valley of Bullets. The Valley of Bullets. It's because Caracas, the, the city where I live, is a valley. So that, 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 that's the, the reason we, we wrote that, that one. And I see. Yeah, that, that song became very popular too. And we, we, we have to play those tunes every show we play. <laughs> There's no exit. If we, uh, for some reason, we, we could say, oh, let's change the, the set list. Let, let's play another thing. People will not let us leave the, the stage without playing those. They, 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 would, they could get violent if we don't play that. So we, we understood that and we say, okay, let's play it. No, don't, don't, don't get mad. We, we will do that for you guys. I had read that um, when you released your first album that the label put a warning on, on for broadcasters not to play two of the songs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that happened too. That that's part of the story. What are the two songs, and and what was the reason behind them? Okay, um, one of those was uh, "Políticos Paralíticos," which was the first song I wrote when I was a fourteen years old uh, teenager, and the other one is called. Uh, donde está el futuro? Where is the future? And those those songs have, they both they both both have uh, political contents. And it was 1988. That was an, an election year in my country. So the the CBS uh, decided to put this warning. On, on the arts of, of, the, of the album because 
they did not want any trouble with the government. They say, okay, mm-hmm. we recorded this, but we warn you not to air it, not to play it anywhere. <laughs> it's just for, for private uh, use. Like the people that buys this album, they, if they want to listen to this in their homes, it's okay. If somebody plays it uh, like in the radio or in, or they broadcast in any possible manner, it's not our responsibility. That was the, the intelligent uh, way to, to clean their hands, to wash their hands. And, I uh, and it, it's funny because when they, uh, they banned these songs, it became a, a very strategic way to promote us. Because many people were saying, what are these guys singing that we cannot listen <laughs> did these songs comment on specific politicians or just the just commenting on the general state of the country in, in, in the case of politicos paralíticos it's just a very straightforward song against the political class those uh, bastards corrupted uh, uh, nasty people And the song says exactly what I'm saying, that it's very straightforward. In the case of Donde Está el Futuro, Where is the Future, it's maybe more uh, kind of a black humor, nihilistic uh, uh, poetics. Um, Mm -hmm. And um, it it goes against um, the... uh, global crisis, um, corruption in the, in the Vatican. Vatican? Oh, okay. The, the Catholic Church? Yeah, Catholic Church. It's very, it's not, not an easy uh, song, uh, but it's very sky and it's very danceable. So it's fun because that, that maybe is one of, of the, of the, um, secrets of the long-term success of my band because we make people dance and we make people think and people likes that people likes my experience people likes to to listen to songs that it's not just fun because of fun it's because we're talking about um, uh, realities that affects each and every one of us but also it's fun and makes you dance. I, I, I don't know if I explained myself, but... You, yeah, you did. Okay, great. The Catholic Church has a, is, is, um, is popular or has an amount of control in Venezuela? Not that much. Not that much. It, it, they have a, a moral majority with them. Uh, mm. It's the, the main religion, not just in my country, but in all, in all Latin America. Yeah, but it's well known that there are like corrupted priests and that make mm-hmm. not very uh, nice things. So, um, well, that that song, in some way, uh, makes a, a statement against that. I see. Okay. So. As you get into the 90s and the 2000s, you're playing 
big festivals in in Venezuela? Yes. Yeah. Uh, is it ska festivals or just festivals with different kinds of bands? Yeah, like popular music festivals. And ska was and still is one of the most uh, popular rhythms in in my country. And uh, in those years, there were like very big festivals. There is a, an airport inside my, my city. And in, in the late 90s, uh, some um, festivals hired the whole uh, airport for concerts. That was great. I can remember... That was the, the the biggest audience in front I have played in in my life, and um, there were circa uh, one hundred and fifty thousand people. Wow! And that was an, an unbelievable experience. I was so scared before getting on stage. <laughs> my, my knees were like 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 shaking i was scared real uh, fear uh, and when when i jumped the stage and the this uh, 150,000 people screamed together i could not feel the 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 stage under my feet i was like flying not not on drugs that was the energy that was uh, huge and those festivals were common in, in those days. Then came difficult situations in, 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 in my country. I have to say that with, with a sad face, with a, with a sad heart. But then many things happened and, and things changed in, in the 2000s. But back in the late 90s, the, the musical movement was very big and, and you could listen like a ska band like us playing side by side by side with salsa bands which of course is very popular in in my country and we have i don't know a rock band or a pop band ska was that big i was uh, reading too that in the 90s that uh, and you were kind of talking about this that there was a lot of money because of oil yes. and that um, the government was maybe funding or helped put on some of these festivals. Not the festivals. No, there, there, was, oh, okay. there was money. So uh, there was like promoters with uh, companies that uh, organized shows, concerts, whatever. So it was like private uh, money. Okay. It was private money. But okay, but there was a lot of money to go around and yes, money to be made. Yeah. Yes. Now, Mari also told me that uh, you owned a club uh, in the 2000s called um, Caracas Club. The club de Ska. Caracas Ska Club. Yeah, that's true. It, it's because Ska was so big that we, we could make things like that. We hired um, uh, an old discotheque that was not in, into its best moment. So we, we could rent it, we could hire it, hire it for uh, low, low money. And we created this uh, place for Ska. And we had the chance to bring bands from the U.S. to play here. Uh, we organized the first show for the Toasters. 
we organized mm-hmm. the first show for Beam Scalabim from Boston. Also, we, we, we brought here the Scufflows and New York Sketchers Ensemble. And also mm-hmm. the... Um, oh, my good friends! Uh, uh, they have a, this beautiful new album, the Slackers. Oh, nice. They all came to, 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 to my country because we organized that. Uh, it was not like thousands of people, we, but we could have a, a good night with, I don't know, 1,200, 1,500 uh, ska fans dancing. And that's good. You, you know that's good. And oh, that's great. Yeah, that's great. That's, that's great. <laughs> and listening to to ska, that were those were like one hundred percent ska parties with uh, international uh, ska acts, national ska bands, and we we were not uh, um, not just the sorting. We we were the organizers, with, but we uh, contacted other bands from Venezuela to play with the uh, international ska bands. And ska DJs and everybody were everybody was dressed like Root Boys. Beautiful, beautiful times. Before you st- opened the club, was it difficult to get bands from out of the country to come play ska bands? Um, maybe not difficult, but nobody did it. <laughs> so we, we were like, like uh, okay, we we uh, evangelized this music. We want to. Uh, show to the to the fans other other uh, styles into the ska. For example, the uh, New York ska jazz ensemble, which in those days were very jazz jazzy uh, players. And I, I remember the first the first show with uh, with the toasters. Um, I remember Bucket. Maybe you you guys know him. And mm-hmm. was amazed watching the ska scene in Caracas. He said to us, I cannot believe what I'm, what I'm seeing. I cannot believe um, the, how, how many, uh, how much information this, this, these kids have about ska, not just uh, the new bands, but they, they know about the two-tone, they know about the Jamaican old school, they dance to to scat to the scatolites. Hey, we, we brought the scatolites to, to our country two times in the 90s. Oh, nice. Nice. That th- those were beautiful days. So before the interview, you were telling me that the first time that uh, the sword then played in uh, the US was in 92. Yes. With the scatolites. Well, um, we went to New York because the Scatolites had a show. And we said, okay, can we do this? Can we afford the, the tickets and the uh, low-budget low hotel? Let's do it. And the drummer of my band, the bass player of my band, and myself, we went to the Big Apple. So we went to this show <laughs> in uh, the SOBs. And... We had all the fun. And after the show, we went into the dressing room of the Scatolites as fans. And um, there was the promoter of, of that show. I think he lived in New Jersey, this promoter. And 
uh, he said, are you from the Sword and Publico? He asked us, are you from the Sword and Publico? Yes, we are. And he said, I have your first album. And we said, no way. Do you have it? Yes, I have it. Uh, I would like to interview you guys in my, in my radio show in New Jersey. And maybe you guys want to play next, next week. We have a, a ska show here in New York City with, um, with a ska flows and maybe Memphis Catholics. And we said, okay, let, let's do it. We, we can play like two or three songs because, because we're just here, um, bass player, drummer, and guitar player, singer. So we, we can play something, but this this is not the band. Like we're a scab band, so we are like what, 100 guys. So we we, <laughs> we will try to do our best being being just three guys. And we we were even we were promoted for for that uh, for that show in this um, cultural newspaper called the Village Voice, and mm -hmm. and th there was this advertise for for the show that said. Special guests from Venezuela, CBS recording artist, the Solo <laughs> and we say, "Wow, recording artist! That that's a joke." But uh, <laughs> but when we we were there, and we yes, we played, and uh, Buffett O'Sullivan, the 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 trombone player for Scuffles, he he played with us. He he came on stage, and he uh -huh. had a beautiful solo with his trombone, and. It was nice because the, the New York ska scene was growing too. And they were very, very kind, very, very nice people. And they, in some way, they embraced us. And for that reason, in 1993, uh, the, the next year, we, we went for the first time with all, with, with all the band to play in the East Coast. And we, we played, uh, I remember, three shows in, in, in Washington, D.C., not the state. We, we played um, in uh, New Jersey, in a not-so-big city where, uh, what's the name of this singer? I'm born in the USA. Uh, Bruce Springsteen. Yeah, Springsteen. He was born in somewhere in, in New Jersey, and we played there. And, uh, and we played, of course, New York City. So that was the, the, first, the first experience of my band in the U.S. playing just into the ska scene, um, playing with um, Dancehall Crashers. Uh, we played with Hepcat. We played with... Uh, uh, toasters um, wow that was amazing because because we were singing in our language in Spanish in front from American audiences and they didn't understand any of the <laughs> words we were singing but there was this uh, respect for the genre this connection uh, and what was great was beautiful so now going into the 2000s you released an album called the Scott album on, on Megalith, right? In 2004. Uh, this is uh, some kind of a best of album. Okay. And Me Megalith is um, Toasters. That's Bucket's album after Moon. Yeah, that, 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 that's true. Yes. Is that the first time he released something for you? Or yes. did he do something? Okay. Well, it, it was not possible because in the, in the 90s, we were into this uh, contract with the CBS uh, Columbia, Sony, whatever, 
and it was not possible at all to to get licenses from the CBS to uh, independent labels. Impossible. But I see. But after we we broke with them in the early two thousands, it was like you know freedom. We could do whatever we want, and we went into this compilation with with Bucket for Megalith Records. That that album was also released in Europe with another label. I can't remember the name of the label, but. Uh, It was like new times for us, and we were very happy with that. Because, yes, you are into a big international uh, label like CBS. And from the outside, many people say, hey, you guys must be like, um, you have to be millionaires if you are into CBS. And that's not truth at all. At all. Mm -hmm. um, as I said before, when we saw the advertise. In the, in the Village Voice, saying that we were uh, CBS recording artists, like, wow. And we said to ourselves, oh, come on. <laughs> it's it, it, it's uh, not a nightmare, but it, not, not that far to, to be into a nightmare when you are into this big, um, uh, big companies and you are not Madonna, okay? Yeah. So uh, when we when we got the, the independence, we we had the chance to explore many other uh, paths, many other um, uh, ventures. For example, with with Megalith and and uh, independent labels in, in Europe, independent labels in Japan. That that was good for us. And so you also start collaborating with some um, artists like. Um... Angelo Moore from Fishbone and Vic Rogero yes. um, from uh, Slackers, Neville Staples from the Specials. Yeah, that's yeah. Tokyo Ska Paradise Orchestra. I don't know if that was later or if that was in, the, in that time period. Well, yeah, we 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 have been very ska fans while we are ska musicians. I I I I collect records i i love live music in in um physical formats and i i love my cds i love my my vinyls i love to have them here in my in my in my apartment and when i have chance to uh um to play with one of my heroes it's great I mean, I, I love the Slackers. I, I love their music. We have played with them in the U.S. We have played with them in Venezuela. And we have played with them in Brazil. So we, we, we know each other. We, we know uh, the, the bands. We, we know the, their, their other bands. And, and we, we, we love them. So when we had the chance to, to bring them to Venezuela, we, we asked... Uh, Vic to, to record us. We we invited him to, to a recording studio. We were released, uh, we were into the sessions of one of our uh, 2000s uh, album that, that record was called Estrellas del Caos. And yes, we have him, we, we, we have um, his voice into a multilingual song that is uh, in, in English 
uh, Portuguese and Spanish. And we also recorded a, a version of an old ska song, old Jamaican ska song called um, uh, I don't want to say the monkey one, do. That's um, monkey ska. Okay. So we have we have his voice in, into this thing. It's it was very fun. But we have also recorded with other other great uh, ska stars. We had the chance to record with one of the specials. Wow, our heroes. Yeah. So we have Neville Staple in a in a in a song that I wrote in English, uh, a song called "Black Market Men," and well, he is the man singing that that one. And <laughs> we we also have uh, Angela Moore. Um, we all, uh, in uh, El Chacal. Another, another good one, another good song. Uh, we have recorded with Tokyo Ska Paradise Orchestra uh, in a song called Ska Mondo Ska. I think you guys understand that. So Yeah, it, that one's more recent though, right? Yeah, more recently. It's like uh, from uh, 2016, so six years ago. And we, we, we have those guys, all the band recording with all our band. It was like, you guys are serious? Are you guys recording all your instruments in Japan and send it to us all, all those uh, tracks with all singing and playing and, and, and everything? That was unbelievable. First time we played in Japan, we were invited by, by the, the Tokyo Sky Paradise Orchestra. We had the chance to meet each other, uh, I mean the bands, in, in Amsterdam. We were, we were playing in the same days, in the same country. I think it was maybe uh, 2010, 11. And after our shows, we, we met in a, in a bar and we were drinking beers and having fun. And one of the guys of the of the Japanese uh, ska act said, um, "We would be very honored to invite you to our country for a show." <laughs> and we were, oh my god, this guy is drunk. He's saying whatever, you know, <laughs> uh, because you know, Japan is like Japan; it's it's far, far, far east. And we say, oh, thank you very much. You are very kind. Of course, we would love to go to your country. Well, Japanese word. And like, I don't know, two months later, they were inviting us, sending the tickets and all the, all, all the stuff to, to, to travel to Japan. So the, uh, we played in a ska festival in, in Japan. Uh, that, was, that was like, like a, a dream. We were playing... You know uh, Mount Fuji, right? Which is yeah. very mm -hmm. important for Japanese culture. And we all have seen these mountains in, in our lives, in, in a photo or whatever. So this festival was um, in a lake in front of this mountain. And it was like a summer day, all green, beautiful day, warm, sunny uh, afternoon and there were only Japanese ska bands but a Venezuelan band 
us. And uh, <laughs> a ska band from Europe, they were, what was their name? Uh, a band from Holland, from Netherlands. What was their name? Very good band. And there was also Dennis, Dennis Bovell band, you know, the, the, the bass player. Oh, yeah. From, um, yeah, I know who you're talking about. Yeah, um, I think he's from. The reggae band from uh, uh, England. Yeah, uh, well, he, he was born in the Caribbean, in one of the islands. Okay. Not Jamaica, but then he, 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 he lives in England. So it was like uh, an unbelievable uh, festival with uh, ska bands from different parts of the world in Japan. Oh, my God. So after that experience, I wrote this song called Ska Mundo Ska because I believe, I truly believe that Ska is like a big family. And wherever I have traveled, uh, I have uh, traveled in, in my life and I meet ska people, it's always the same smile, the same good vibes, <laughs> the same hospitality. And it's everywhere in Colombia, in the US, in Mexico, in Spain, in France, in England, in Japan, whatever. So I, I wrote this song inspired by this Japanese experience. And um, I said, since this was inspired by these guys in Japan, I would like to invite them to, to help us with a, just with a ska mundo, ska with a chorus. And they said, uh, are we allowed to record some other things? And I said, uh, yeah, of course, whatever you want to record. What, what would you like to add? And they sent like trumpets, trombones, saxophones, guitars, keyboards, everything. <laughs> Just because of the love of arts, because there, there were no, no, no money involved in this invitation. It was like, would you like to, to, to be with us? And they said, yeah, let's do it. Beautiful. And then I, I don't know if you had the chance to see the, 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 the video. Oh, I've seen it. Yeah. It's a great video. And I see um I see some members of Slackers, Hepcat, uh Inspector. Yeah. Uh, who else is in there? Well, there are musicians from Argentina, Brazil, Colombia, Mexico, the US, Spain, Japan, uh England, uh Germany. Yeah. It's so this it, it was not a lie, it was true. Uh, ska is a big family it's a big um, worldwide family and we uh, could talk different languages we uh, maybe have different cultures and whatever but we are a family the guy who's doing the dancing in the video he's the the, the drummer of the solving okay great dancer yeah yes that that's why <laughs> he's the like the main character in the, in the video yeah He's got good moves. Yeah, he does. I want to talk a little bit about, so I want to kind of move into the 2010s. Stuff happens with Venezuela, with um, the economy. Basically, I mean, you, you could probably explain better than me. The, the the money that was there with the oil is not there anymore. Well, well, uh, this is not very easy for me to explain. I, I will try to, to make a, a complicated uh, story very short. And, well, government has been doing a very bad job. Corruption and uh, bad um, public 
uh, measures and the, mm -hmm. the economy went to hell and the, the national currency like uh, was uh, devaluado, de Marisol? The value? It, it, yeah, the yeah, value plummeted. Okay, so everything went, went wrong. And then came the confrontation between the society and some people supported the government, but many other people were against the government. So there, we were very close to a civil war and I'm not exaggerating. And there was blood in the streets and well, terrible situation. And of course, the, the arts and the entertainment industry uh, suffered a lot with this uh, struggle between Venezuelan society. So the 2010s, all the, all the last decade, was very difficult for, for us in this country, very difficult. And that explains, in, somehow that, that explains why there are so many Venezuelans living outside Venezuela. Uh, uh, maybe you guys have seen in the US Venezuelan communities that you did not see before the 2010s. And maybe you can see Venezuelan food restaurants and Venezuelan music festivals and whatever. It's because there are millions. I mean, 25% of the population of my country is outside the country. That's a lot. Yeah, it is a lot. That's a lot. It, it means that uh, every... Every uh, four of us, one is living somewhere abroad. So, um, in uh, just to to let you know, in, in in Colombia, which is our our neighbor, there are uh, circa two millions of Venezuelans. Wow! And so a lot of the a lot of the musicians left Venezuela, right? Yeah, absolutely. In, in the U.S., there might be circa one million of Venezuelans. And in Spain, circa one million. And, and so on. So uh, that, that was a, a very sad uh, situation for the country. And many musicians uh, decided to change their address. So many bands dis disbanded. And uh, it was very sad for us to see how many, a lot of uh, ska bands, like, you know, the singer decided to move to Spain, but the, the guitar player went to Chile and the, um, uh, you know, the drummer went with his family to Miami. And well, that was like, uh, uh, Stab. Stab, yeah, stab wound. So the, the scab movement and all the music scene was stabbed by this situation. Yeah. And, and you, you stayed? Yeah, I stayed here. What, what caused you to stay? Because I, I believe uh, I have to do something here. I have to help some, some, somehow here i'm not yeah. criticizing anyone uh if some of my friends 
decided to to move their address to some other countries, it's okay. They are deciding the best what they believe for their lives, and I absolutely one hundred percent respect that. But I decided to stay because, from my point of view, um, this this uh, country needs people here for the reconstruction. At some point, we have to rebuild this country. And one of the tools we have for this reconstruction uh, are the, the arts, the music, the, the plastics, the theater, the, the, the movies. That's a very powerful tool, <coughs> sorry, for, uh, for helping bringing ideas to society that that's my my, my belief and since i think that's uh, a, um, a very powerful powerful truth well i will do that from here and well i'm here struggling flying fighting in the good ways for a better country that's excellent so the sword in publico you you play a lot more shows outside of venezuela now than inside because of these difficulties then right yes in in the, the 2010s we played so much outside venezuela than into venezuela and this is because of two reasons first reason as i explained is because my country had this uh, very difficult times and there were no no possibilities to produce uh, shows, festivals, whatever. And the other reason is because, because there are so many Venezuelans outside Venezuela that, that they demand Venezuelan bands. <laughs> so nowadays, uh, it's, it's very common for us to play in front of just Venezuelans in Spain or even in the U.S. because they organize the, themselves and they um, they call us and they pay for us for, for our tickets and shows and whatever. And so we go there and we don't listen a word in English, for example. I, we, we played last, <laughs> last December, we played in, uh, in Denver. It was very cold, by the way. <laughs> and um, we, we played this in this uh, club in downtown. And we got into the club. I never listened a word in English. Nor <laughs> the bartender, nor the, 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 the people in the, at the door, you know, checking the, the, uh, your, 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 um, uh, your pockets, checking your pockets, pockets. your pockets, you know, no one was speaking English. So, that, that's <laughs> that's another reason that we are playing a lot uh, uh, outside of our boundaries of our of our country, and uh, well, that, that's that's good because we, we are working and we're doing our job, and well, we are musicians. We want to play. When, whenever people calls us and dance with our music, it, it will be okay. But I somehow I miss those years playing in front of national audiences. For example, playing in 
in um, Washington, D.C., in front of Americans. Those were great days, too, because that, that was another, another, um, uh, another experience into this multicultural thing that happens in the world. You know, uh, but it's okay. I, I, it's okay. I, I miss those days, but I appreciate that we still play a lot outside Venezuela. But let, let me tell you something. After the, the pandemics, things are started to change again in my country. Oh, really? Yeah. That, that's our, uh, I hope not to, to uh, uh, make a mistake, but I, I believe that this society is so uh, uh, saturated with conflict that we said, like, la, la, as society, we said, okay, no more. We had enough. It's time for new things. So, so much uh, crisis, so much uh, economical um, troubles, so much political uh, interference in our lives. It's time for something new. And the pandemics made like a, 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 a turning page in the history, in the story. And nowadays, in this 2022, things are going better. And nowadays, we are starting to work a lot in, in our country. Uh, and I love this. I love this because it's a, it's a society that wants to find a new, a new path. To find, mm. uh, we, we need, as Venezuelans, we need to find ourselves again as a society. We need to embrace ourselves. And you know what? Scout can help. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. I want to ask about something you did recently. You played a show and then you filmed a documentary about it. Um, I'm sorry, I'm blanking out on the name. M Mari, what was it called? It's uh, uh, Concierto en Petare, ah. desde la Plata Banda. Yeah, of course, yeah. Could you explain for people what, what the concert was? Yeah, of course. Uh, maybe, maybe you guys know what a fa favela is. It is the, this um, ghettos in the big cities of Latin America where, the where there's poverty and where the houses are very um, poor and leaves many people and it's supposed to be the, the, the worst zones of, of the city where there, there, is, there is violence and criminals and whatever. So in Caracas, there are many barrios like those. And in the pandemics, it was December 2020. In December 2020, we had the chance to meet this cultural promoter from El Barrio, from Petare. Petare is one of the biggest barrios, not just in Venezuela, but in Latin America. In this barrio, lives around... Two million people. So it's big, big, very big. So this, this guy uh, says to us, I'm organizing uh, cultural events in pandemics because in, in this uh, area, there are many people living in, in small houses 
and we need something because we're we're getting crazy while we are in uh, in locked down. So we are organizing uh, uh, movies uh, for the community in in uh, in the in the roof of one of the houses. We we put a, a screen and we protect movies and we um, uh, called uh, like clowns for the kids to make them laugh while they are the, the kids are into their houses. And we want to know what you guys think if we organize uh, the Southern concert in that roof. And we said, of course, let's do it. Not just because we were getting crazy too in the pandemics, <laughs> but because that was like a, uh, a challenge to get our music into one of the uh, most dangerous ghettos of my city. We wanted to say, okay, let's see how real dangerous this is. Because I never believed this is like, you know, only criminals living there. That's not true. That's only propaganda. So we went to, to, that, uh, to that ghetto, to that barrio, and we were treated like heroes. That was beautiful, my friends. The, th those people were so grateful while we were bringing the, the band, the concert, the, um, the experience to have a, a ska band playing in a roof in this place. I, I have to, to ask you to, to see the, the photos or, or the videos. They are like in YouTube or whatever, because I, my words will not explain what the images can do, what can explain. Mm -hmm. um, it's this, this barrio and you can see like all the barrio dancing, you know, young people, the kids, the elders, Um, women, men, everybody dancing and singing in their houses while we were playing. And the uh, um, we, we played like, like three different sets in, in, in a long day. We played like a, a late morning show. Then uh, in the afternoon, while the sunset, another show. And then by night, the third show. It was a very long day, and by night, people were in their in their homes. And one of the organizers said, "Since you cannot see the people because they are in their homes and it's night, you can ask them for this. If they are uh, having a good time, if they are enjoying what you guys are playing, ask them to turn on and off the lights of their houses." It's, it would be kind of an applause with, with the lights. Am I explaining? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I, I asked the people. So um, my dear, my, my, my fellow uh, people from, from Petare, if you're having fun, let's turn on and off the lights of your houses to, to see, to, 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 uh, to get a connection with, with, with you guys, to, to know your reaction to what we are doing. And it was so beautiful. This uh, big mountain full of houses with all those uh, blinking lights. I, 
I have this uh, memory in my mind, in my heart. It grows in, in me every day uh, because I, I really believe that arts, that music is one of the tools for a better world. And it's, it's not like an far away dream that someday the humanity will find. No, it's here. It's within us. We have it so close. It's within our uh, creativity, in our heads. We just have to work for it to achieve it, but it's not impossible. We can build a better world with the music. The community is um, something that's very important, especially when we live in societies with governments that are corrupt governments and, and corporations that only care about themselves community p, p community is a way for we us to care about each other and communities need something to unite them and music and arts is is a, a major way that communities can feel connected to each other and feel like they have a purpose absolutely Aaron and I also believe that we we have waited so long for profits we have waited so long for, for the, this guy that, that will come and will bring solutions to our problems. And this is a lie. The, the solution is within us. It's in the communities. It's in the creativity. It's in the uh, joint uh, uh, energies, would I say? Yeah, joint forces. Joint forces, yeah. Within us, with, within the, the, the people, we, we don't need governments. We don't need corporations. We can do it. Yeah. So you, you know, in, in your career, um, since the 80s, you've been very critical of the government and you've been critical of the government um, when it's been different parties, right? That it's, you know, you get different parties in power and it's still, you still deal with a lot of the same problems of corruption. Yes, it is. <laughs> I, I, you know, my, my, I have uh, written uh, poetry for my songs uh, that criticize this situation. Of course, a lot of my songs have this, um, this plot to sing about. But um, there is also hope in the things I, I, I write. I also sing about what we are talking about. I also sing about we can do it. We, the people, we can do it. If you have a dream and your dream is fulfilled with, uh, fulfilled, sorry, with, with justice and, and you, uh, you believe that your dream could help us to live in a most in the most beautiful place in the world come on let's try it let, let, let's do it let's do it yeah so we'll, we'll probably wrap up but i wanted to ask a little bit about the symphonico project you mentioned which i think Ooh. you did last year right this year this year okay <laughs> very very recent yeah it was the the, the we played uh, may the 28th in a beautiful theater in, in, in Caracas, yeah. Teatro Teresa Carreño, 
it's a, it's maybe it could be the most beautiful theater in, in my country. So we, we played there. It was uh, a sold out three, more than 3,000 people uh, in, inside this, this place. And um, how do I explain this? Since this was a symphonic disorder, Desorden Sinfonico, I had this idea to uh, organize my songs like if they were part of a, sin uh, um, a sinfonia, a symphonic um, piece. Symphony, a symphony. A symphony, yeah. Like if it, it was a, a symphony. So it has uh, three different movements. First movement, second movement, and third movement. So the first movement is inspired by the, uh, the country that in some point of our recent history broke into many parts. So this is the first movement and the songs into this first movement are maybe the most um, critical songs, the most confrontative songs of my uh, repertoire. Then comes the second movement, which uh, thinks about this country that was, that was disbanded, that uh, uh, has to face its, uh, itself in front of a very sad mirror since 25% of Venezuelans are living outside Venezuela. So it's a difficult reality and this second movement could be more sad, not, not that um, uh, angry as the first, but maybe more nostalgic. And then comes the third movement of the, of the symphony. And this uh, third movement is in, uh, fulfilled with the most happy and... Um, uh, Hope, uh, hopeful. hopeful songs, yeah. And in that third movement, I want uh, uh, my, my idea is to inspire the crowd to invent, to reinvent what we are as a country. So this, this na narrative within the whole symphony makes this, uh, this piece of music like very important for me because what we have been talking about in, in the last minutes is all into this uh, this creation, this uh, Desorden Symphonics or Sinfonia Desordenada or Desorden Symphony. And then you, you can listen to some kind of a symphonic ska music while we uh, think about the country we were, the country we are nowadays, and the country we deserve to be in a, a near future. That's awesome. How did everything go? I'm so so inspired by by, by this. Um, I I I said to you guys minutes ago that I stayed in in my country because I think I have things to 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 bring to the culture. And this uh, concert 
was a very good achievement in this in this uh, proposal in this uh, in this path of bringing ideas in 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 my desire to uh, inspire others to do good things. Thank you so much for listening to In Defense of Ska. If you've enjoyed this episode, please like and subscribe to the podcast wherever you normally stream or download episodes. If you haven't already, grab a copy of my book, In Defense of Ska, available at clashbooks.com. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. It's at In Defense of Ska. And please consider joining our Patreon at patreon.com backslash in defense of ska you will get monthly bonus episodes extended interviews and commentary per episode and access to the in defense of ska discord in defense of ska would not be possible without the great team that tirelessly works on it every week so you should go check out their other projects as well co-host adam davis has an amazing band called omnigon give them a follow on instagram and twitter It's simply at Omnigon. And our editor, Chris Reeves, has a phenomenal record label and podcast called Ska Punk International. For more information, go to skapunkinternational.com. And if you've ever enjoyed one of the highly specific in defense of ska memes floating around the interwebs, it was likely the work of the bands I like only charge $18. Find them on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. On that note, we leave you by saying... Ska now more than ever. Hey everybody, it's Barry from the What Podcast. Hey, it's Russ. Hey, it's Brian, and we are giving away two tickets to Bonnaroo 2024. These are GA+, and they include camping. Russ, how do people get qualified? We want to hear your top artists to play on the Bonnaroo 2024 lineup. Call 423-667-7877 and tell us who we should check out. It's the What Podcast. Thanks. Hey, everybody. It's Barry from the What Podcast. Hey, it's Russ. Hey, it's Brian. And we are giving away two tickets to Bonnaroo 2024. These are GA+, and they include camping. Russ, how do people get qualified? We want to hear your top artists to play on the Bonnaroo 2024 lineup. Call 423-667-7877 and tell us who we should check out. It's the What Podcast. Thanks.